Welcome to Everyday Nonviolence. This podcast is produced by Friends for a Nonviolent World, or FNVW. FNVW champions nonviolence as the foundation for effective programs and actions to promote the dignity of every human being. The Everyday Nonviolence podcast highlights people in our community who are using the principles and practices of nonviolence to transform themselves and the world around us. Their stories deepen our understanding of the impact of violence and the many ways nonviolence can be used for healing and social change. Every year, the United States celebrates Martin Luther King Jr. Day in honor of MLK's life and legacy. The gains made by the civil rights movement under his leadership are a powerful example of what can be accomplished through strategic nonviolent action. But how much do we really know about MLK and the nonviolent activism of the civil rights movement? How do we continue to move Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s vision forward in our world today? In this series of short episodes, we'll be exploring the six principles of Kingian nonviolence which were the underlying moral values and beliefs that guided MLK's life and activism. Each episode in this series will focus on one of the six principles of Kingian nonviolence. We are here for episode three, Attack Forces of Evil, Not Persons Doing Evil. I'm your host, Jaron Peterson-Dean. Join me in welcoming back Peter Digitali Anderson, Program Director and the Director of Formation at Peace Catalyst International. Peter coaches peace builders in conflict transformation, nonviolence, trauma resiliency, dialogue skills, and more. He will be our guide as we seek a deeper understanding of the nonviolent principles and practices that were so integral to MLK's life and leadership. Hi again, Peter. Hi, Jaren. Thanks. Glad to be back. Let's get on into this. What is the third principle of Kingian nonviolence? So the third principle of Kingian nonviolence is attack forces of evil, not persons doing evil. So the nonviolent approach helps one analyze the fundamental conditions and policies and practices of the conflict rather than reacting to one's opponents or to their personalities. I think there's a lot to unpack in this one, especially in our current climate, politically. How did the organizing strategy of the civil rights movement reflect this principle? Mm. This principle was at the heart of what much of the civil rights movement was working towards. The campaigns of the civil rights movements of the 50s and 60s were focused on systemic structural change. They wanted to desegregate lunch counters. They wanted to ensure that black citizens could vote because they'd been prevented from it all across the South. They wanted to make sure that black Americans had access to equal housing um, and good places to live and weren't um, blocked off because of that. So there were always structural and legal issues that these campaigns were trying to achieve. And they were generally happy to work with any leaders, anyone else who wanted to come alongside them in this, instead of villainizing the ones who've been standing against them. 
How does this principle guide your work and your life? So this this principle to me in particular, um, I think for a lot of people, it seems obvious once you stop to think about it, but it's also really, really easy to forget about it in the moment. Um, now, I'm trained in conflict transformation, which includes things like mediation, dialogue, and restorative practices, um, stuff like that. About how do we heal relationships and bring people back together? And a core idea in this is that every conflict, every violent or evil act, um, has something that's underneath it. There's a cultural narrative that dehumanizes people and makes the violence acceptable. Or there's a law or policy that says it's legal to do this, even if it doesn't talk about whether or not it's moral. Um, or maybe there's some hidden underlying conflict or an old trauma that sparked the violent act because things haven't been healed and addressed in the past. Uh, and this is a lot of where key and nonviolence is going with this principle. It is okay to be angry. It is often good to be angry in the face of injustice and harm. Kingian nonviolence is all about people having righteous anger and indignation against evil and against violence. But Kingian nonviolence challenges, challenges us to redirect the anger towards the bigger systemic problem, towards the underlying issue, to use that energy to fight against the social, the social forces that are normalizing the evil that's being done. Um, Kingian nonviolence knows that fighting against someone who does evil is kind of futile because there will always be someone else to replace them. There will always be someone else who's also trapped in these violent beliefs and this violent system who's going to step back into that role. And real change comes from changing the culture and the structures that are supporting the violence and focusing on that less than the people. So in terms of how this shows up in my own life and my work, um, Conflict is everywhere, so this principle gets applied everywhere. Um, when I'm organizing against police violence, it doesn't help to spend my energy fighting against the individual police officers. The real enemy are the violent structures and the culture of policing that so often criminalize black and brown people and the criminalize the poor and the mentally ill and the prioritize control over care. When I'm in conflict with fellow organizers or colleagues at work, instead of judging and blaming them, can I start asking questions? What part of our relationship or the context in which we're working is driving this conflict? What underlying needs do we have that aren't being met? And that goes for both of us. Or as a parent, when my kids start yelling at me or fighting with each other, I could immediately blame them for misbehaving, but this rarely helps things. What's underneath that conflict? Are they hungry? Are they tired? Have I been looking at my phone too long and not giving them enough attention? It happens occasionally. Um, are they upset that they haven't had a chance to play with their favorite toy, toy and they're struggling to ask in a kind and generous way? Um, yeah, we all have conflict. We all experience or at least witness violence. And life is a nonstop opportunity to keep asking, what's behind that? Wow, that really brought up a few things in my own personal life and experience. I have had those moments. One, for example, would have been going through a restorative justice process in one of the Minnesota correctional facilities with someone who committed murder. And I was there as someone who lost a loved one to murder and really coming to terms with the fact that this person was 
acting in his own beliefs, which were loyalty, respect, and honor, which led to the violence. I think it's hard sometimes for people to understand how not to be mad at a person, especially if they are victims of violence. Do you have suggestions of ways to sort of acknowledge that and also move people in that direction of attacking the forces of evil? You make a great distinction there. I would say go ahead and be mad at that person. Being angry, being mad, accepting that you have been harmed by this person's actions even if it was driven or catalyzed by some bigger underlying needs or a larger system behind them, it was still this person that caused this action that made this choice. Even if it made sense in their mind, they still made that choice. And we can still be angry at them for that. King and Nonviolence wants us to think about, okay, so where does this energy go? And alongside this, there are trauma healing processes. They're like, okay, so how do we acknowledge this and reintegrate into what's going on? And there are reconciliation processes, which sometimes are helpful. Sometimes people aren't always ready for them. Reconciliation is another big word. There's like the personal healing work that can be done. But then a king in nonviolence is about, okay, so we have this anger about this thing that happened. This person caused harm. I don't have to like them. I don't have to be ready to forgive them. But if I want things to change for other people, if I want this to not happen for others, then I need to focus less on him and more on why he did it. So it again comes back to the will and the skill and and making sure both of those sides are represented in how you show up, right? Absolutely. If we only show up with good intentions, but we have no idea how to make them reality and how to deal with the reality of what people are dealing with, then it's a lot of nice floofy ideas that aren't rooted in the ground. Well, you've already given us a lot to think about, but could you offer us a reflection question that ties to the third principle of Kingian nonviolence as we wrap up this episode? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Our reflection question for principle three is reflect upon a recent conflict that you've had. Were there any ways that you attacked or villainized a person on the other side? What came of it? Can you identify underlying beliefs or systems or unmet needs that perpetuated that conflict? Thank you so much, Peter. We'll see you for the next episode. Looking forward to it. I've been talking with Peter Digitali Anderson. You can find more information about Peace Catalyst International, including upcoming workshops on nonviolence and conflict transformation at www.peacecatalyst.org. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Everyday Nonviolence. To learn more about Friends for a Nonviolent World, visit our website at fnvw.org or call 651-917-0383. We hope you will subscribe so that you don't miss future episodes and insightful conversations. 
Please note that the views expressed in this podcast are those of the host and guest and are not intended to reflect the official positions of FNVW, its staff, or board of directors.